0: Felix here, and welcome to this morning live stream. War in the Middle East, a Fed that's backtracking on rate cuts, oil at eighty dollars. Those are some of the glorious things happening this morning. But the good news is the J.P. Morgan Bank has made a lot of money. So <laughs> you know there is always a silver lining. Um, that is actually a silver lining for the market. It's the one thing that's rescuing futures here this morning, which we're looking. Uh, very, very red and sour. But um, well, the big banks are pulling us out of the misery. I'm going to walk you through the key data sets here, the key things to understand, both the geopolitics, how it ties in with the financial market. Uh, but of course, also, we'll talk about the individual stocks. And after I run you through the key stuff here, you're super welcome to ask me a gazillion questions, of course, after you've smashed the uh, the you-know-what severely. Now, First thing is first. I'm going to share my screen with you here. No matter what happens in the world, whether there's a war, whether there's a recession, whether there's inflation, you have it within your power to make money from your money. And most people never really master that. Most people just think it's too complicated. Only the JP Morgan guys can do it. And it's way, way, way simpler than you think. So come and join me on Tuesday Live for a one-hour trading training where I walk you through our system. Three steps, one stock, fully automated. We trade just one stock because we want to make it really, really, really simple. Um, So join me. Go to phoenixruns.org slash webinar and grab yourself a seat. It's free. Now we've got Biden backing far-reaching Yemen strikes. We've seen the US and the UK striking targets in Western Yemen. And you might think, well, they'll just blow those rebels, the Houthis out of the desert and they'll be over. The Saudis have been doing that for five years. They're not actually going to achieve anything other than making themselves feel better and selling a few more missiles. I'm not saying the U.S. should do nothing, but I'm just saying this isn't going to be a short-term solution. It's not like like that. It's much, much more complicated. The Houthis are Iran-funded and equipped. They've got tons of drones and missiles that cost $20,000 a piece, and the U.S. shoots each one of them down with a million-dollar Missile, uh, which tells you something about margins and (laughs) corruption in the US uh, industrial military complex, right? Someone's making some serious money here. And the Houthis respond by saying this, we're going to attack more ships. Uh, Good luck trying to stop us. So that's where we are this morning. Now, to understand this story, and I don't want to be sort of catastrophist on this, because it isn't a catastrophe, but it's important. This little strait here is what connects the Red Sea, where there is the canal that goes up to Europe, and the Gulf countries who are in, in that direction. So oil comes from here, and it moves moves up in this direction. Um, the Houthis control this little strip of Yemen around uh, the port of Hodeidah, and that's where they launch their attacks from. If you look at the live map, and I've literally got it open live, we can have a look at it in a second as well. Uh, These are the vessels going through that. It's a great website called vesselfinder.com that I use for one of my businesses where we we ship containers around the world um, of stuff. So, the orange ones are tankers, oil tankers, and you're starting to see the number of these fizzle out. It still looks like quite a lot, but not that many. And some of them, notably, either either turning around or st- almost stopping, which is pretty unusual. Uh, so a lot of the big container ship liners and 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 and. and Oil tanker owners like you know, Musk and so on, are basically saying we're not going to go past this because it's just craziness. And that's also the recommendation. It's probably uninsurable at this point to go through here. So um you're gonna see that bit fizzle out, and that is one of the most important well, transport routes in the world, quite frankly. And that's had an impact. If you look at the cost of shipping a 40-foot container. It's literally today, just today, shipping a container from Shanghai to Italy, Genoa, which is a big part in Europe, has literally gone up $800, $825 today in the space of one day. Now, rates are now over $5,000, so that's a 25% increase in one day. You think this isn't inflationary? This is inflationary, and this is why the story really matters to me. I mean, there is always a miserable war somewhere. I couldn't care less, but this is going to impact the cost of shipping goods. And even last week, we were already up 15% on container shipping rates because of the Hootie attacks. But just today, another 25% on top. So uh, we were at $3,000 and now we're at $5,000 today. And that could continue to go up very, very sharply because the alternative route is much, much longer and much, much more expensive. Um, New York route was up to $75 today. Uh, Brent was at $80 at, at, at one point. It's trading slightly below that now at 79 or thereabouts. Uh, but that's still... a maybe 2 or 3% up in a day, which definitely uh, matters. So that's something to consider, which again, of course, is inflationary. And then you've got the lovelies at the fest, like like Feds Smester, who's a voting president, saying it's probably too early for a rate cut. So kind of backpedaling on the rate cut story. And that's on the basis of the inflation data we got out, not actually on the basis of this. Now, inflation data isn't going to magically explode in a month. But if this conflict continues and gets larger because the Iranians keep feeding the Houthis with missiles and the Americans keep pounding the Houthis uh, because they feel like it, then you properly shut down this trade route. And if you do that... Freight costs are going to go up another 50% and oil will probably climb another $10, $20. Um, so that's a, an inflation scenario, which would mean inflation goes further up and we're probably not going to see rate cuts till maybe June or thereabouts. Now, a few other things that are happening and possibly because the Fed is a little smarter than you think, the Fed has actually pumped money into the market for the first time in a while, about $5 billion last week. And that's stimulus, folks. And that's one of the reasons the market is looking so good. It's the first time they've done that. Let me get a thicker pen. You see this little bar here? First time they've done that since March. Banking crisis, March. Now, that's partly, well, largely the money goes to banks because we got this reverse repo setup, which is meant to be a temporary bank bailout. It's not going to be temporary. It's going to be permanent. And that now has $600 million left, which isn't a great deal. <laughs> so we are going to go to zero on that likely, which would mean, well, the fed would have to provide liquidity which would be quantitative easing so we might get what we want in the form of quantitative easing as in money printing what we might not get the rate cut that's a possibility as of today's data now the other thing of course we're getting thanks to papa biden they are spending more than anybody has ever spent in peacetime or in non-crisis peacetime so excluding covid no us government has ever spent this much money outside a war or a crisis. Is there a crisis? You're seeing a massive uptick in the quality of your government services. You think your tax dollars are being well spent. Well, the good news is you're paying less tax because, well, normally, but look at this, normally when tax receipts decline, it's because we've just had a recession But of course, in 2023 or 2022, there wasn't a recession because the government said there isn't one. There are a couple of wise old men in Washington who get to decide whether there is a recession and we've slipped them 20 bucks to make sure that there isn't one. I think that's pretty much how it works. So we've seen a massive seven point decrease in government revenue over the last 12 months, and that's typically a sign we've just been in a recession. And maybe, therefore, we will get the magical soft landing. But that, again, means the deficit is going to get bigger. Why do you care? Well, look at where we are. The 2024 deficit is on track to be bigger than the COVID deficit. To I mean, think about, it, isn't it? About 590 or something like that, $500 billion down so far on the 11th of January. Isn't that marvelous? Uh, I'm glad the right people are in charge because otherwise the wrong people would be in charge, right? Mm-hmm. Now, why is the market not co- co- just collapsing this morning? And futures are actually now flat, bizarrely. Oil is at 79.55, up almost three percentage points. If you look at the pre-market heat map, NVIDIA, Amazon, Apple, Tesla, UNH, slightly down, but pretty much flat. Tesla has some issues. So we'll get into that in a second around that German plant is shut down and price cuts in China. So that's, that impacts them. But wouldn't you expect in a day like this, higher risk of inflation, lower likelihood of rate cuts, not a war. Wouldn't you think the market would tank? Well, mm-hmm. this is where the bankers come in. Wall Street is saving you. Those little midtown vest wearers are doing their thing for the country and they are pulling us out of the misery. J.P. Morgan beating expectations on profits marvelously. Revenue beats. Bank of America beats on profits and slightly less revenue, actually. And BlackRock, beating massively on earnings and on revenue. Citigroup, a uh, huge beat on profits, a uh, miss on revenue, but we all we care about really is profits. Uh, so even Delta Airlines beating on earnings, which is slightly staggering and, and surprising, really. So the bankers have pulled it out of the bag. And is that because they have cured cancer or, you know, solved world hunger or done something useful? No, they have notched up another knee record. Um, uh, what is knee? Uh, knee is a lovely reference to Monty Python. Uh, but no, that's not what it stands for. It's net interest income net interest income is a measure by how much do they rip off their depositors, their customers, you and me who have money in, I actually have money in a J.P. Morgan Chase account. And um, why? Because I think it's the bank least likely to fail. And they've brought in, in the last quarter, $24 billion dollars thanks to the Fed raising interest rates and thanks to the stupidity of their customers who don't move their money to, say, a SoFi account where they might actually get a decent interest rate. So $24 billion and a quarter for doing nothing. Isn't that glorious? That's how you make money. You start a bank. Lovely, isn't it? Uh, so, um, and yes, uh, BlackRock is doing well too. So it's always good, isn't it? So I'm sure the bonuses are going to be all right. Uh, Dimon, uh, just JP Morgan's CEO, also just made us feel a little bit more warm and fuzzy inside. He said, the increased, the, the need for increased government spending on the green economy, the military and restructuring of global supply chains May lead inflation to be stickier and rates to be higher than the market expects. And therefore, he would collect more knee for longer net interest income. So, It's good news for Wall Street. If you're a Wall Street banker, it's always a good day. It doesn't really matter. They have also, which is a slightly concerning uh, side story, written off $2 billion in basically credit card losses and put aside another $600 million because they think Some of the lower-end income consumer people might not be able to pay for the third Ferrari. That's sort of the thinking of Wall Street, you see. But that's quite significant uh, because generally, JP Morgan has a relatively good customer profile in terms of income. But there are obviously a lot of people not able to pay their credit card balances, which is, um, well, it's the no recession soft landing miracle, clearly. What can you do about it? Well, you can laugh and giggle about it or tear your hair out or scream manipulation or you can just join them. And when you can't beat them, all you can do is join them. So that's what I did. I got a job as an investment banker uh, and um, learned staff quit because I couldn't stand it. And um, we now teach you. And we're a team of retired investment bankers. Some of us still manage money for, for funds and family offices, significant amounts. And we've probably got, got about 200 years of trading experience between us. We've easily managed I don't know $10 billion or something like that for hedge funds and for banks. And we teach you exactly how we do what we do and how simple it is, how you can trade one stock with three rules, fully automate the whole thing. And you can learn this for free with me on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Why? Because our mission is to make a million people financially free. And you're never going to be financially free unless your money works for you. You can work as hard as you want, pretty hard with a salary or even a business to make that much money that you become financially free unless that money is set to work. And that's what the 1% do. They have their money work for them, right?